Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Thank you, Leah. Amazing. It's, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be, for me, at least for me, a little bit difficult to understand how to approach Good Friday or how to feel about it. Because I know like all around the world there'll be meetings today where, you know, like it's really somber. Um, it, I don't know, it's kind of like we get to pretend that we don't know Sunday's coming. <laughs> but we all know it is really. So I don't know that I don't know that I can find a place of being somber, but I do think it's right to be reflective. And, uh, you know, maybe for us charismatic Pentecostals, that's not the easiest thing in the world for some of us, but it's a good thing. It's a good spiritual discipline to find a place of reflection, to find a place of gratitude and, 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 and to remember again what it is that Jesus has accomplished for us. And um, I'm actually going to take some scriptures. Um, Leah so beautifully welcomed all our visitors here today. But so uh, for your sake, I, I just say over the last couple of Sundays, we've been um, looking at some scriptures uh, in towards the beginning of the, the Bible in the Old Testament around Exodus as we've looked at um, crossing over. And uh, felt that I wanted to, to link this morning's message to that in Exodus 15, verse 22 to 27. The Bible says this, that then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. And so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And uh, I want to speak to you this morning around the title, Bittersweet. Bittersweet. I find, I, I actually find this moment fascinating. The reason I find it fascinating is that the preceding verses Show us the greatness of God, the, the magnitude of all that he's able to produce. We see that he sends 10 plagues against a mighty Pharaoh that, that led to the children of Israel walking free from centuries of slavery. This was no small thing. This was a massive thing. Then there was an incredible deliverance as God sent a miracle and opened up the Red Sea so that they could walk through on 
dry ground. They then saw the waters close on their enemies. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. God brought an end to it all. And, and, and it, we've just seen incredible power. We've just seen God just knock it out of the park. We've, we've, with the, 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 the other side of the Red Sea was dancing and tambourines and singing in celebration because God had done a mighty work. Which leads us to this moment. And I find it fascinating that this same God, this same God seems to have forgotten they needed water. Gone through all that and they've managed to go three days in the desert without finding water. And what does the scripture say there? It says, it says that they... They were thirsty, but I think it's important to remind ourselves that we're after three days in desert conditions, we're we're at the end of our hydration resources. It's like we're not we don't just need a cup of tea. We're not that kind of thirsty. We are like facing death kind of thirsty. It's getting desperate. I want to remind you, it's not just the young and the fit who've made this journey. There are babies. There are old people. They are the infirm. And they have been, so there is this this great buzz of excitement that has happened as they walked away from the Red Sea. But as they got further and further into the desert and as the hours ticked by, I just imagined that things got a little bit quieter. Just a little bit quieter, you know? A bit like, I remember one time being stuck in a, in a, in a, in a, in a traffic jam on the way to Gatwick Airport, watching the time, and, and I should have been at the check-in over an hour ago, you know? And... Uh, I just remember things got very quiet in the car. You know, we did, there was like nothing to say. And I think that things just got quieter. Things got quieter because desperation began to rise up. And, um, you know, it seems like, why God? Why, after doing all that, does it seem like you've forgotten us? Had he really forgotten they needed water? I don't know. If there's someone here today who feels that God has forgotten you. He seems to have left you a little bit out there. I say feels like God has forgotten you because the truth is he never can. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she was born? And then he says this, that even says, though she may, no, though she may forget, even if that is possible, even if that beyond comprehension scenario is, is possible, the Lord says, I will not forget you. I will not forget you. He'll never forget you. But sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes 
We can, I don't know, I've been there. I've been in those situations where I've looked back and it seems like God has done so much. And then like that quite significant piece still seems to be waiting to happen. I think that thirst reminded them of their vulnerability. They were free, but they were still dependent and they were still in need. Um, I think thirst reminds us that we're not self-sufficient. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank account. It doesn't matter how much pension you've got. It doesn't matter what house you live in or what part of town you live in. It doesn't matter how good your job is. It, it, when it gets down to this, it's a great leveler. Because all that counts for nothing in this Moment, And it makes us realize just how vulnerable uh, life is. I don't know whether, you know, with all this um, stuff about the, uh, the chemical weapons attack and the, the, the Russians and, and all that. And they, 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 were, they were saying like we're, we're four meals away from anarchy. If, if, if somehow... The, the, the Russians managed to hack into our power system, our electricity systems. We're four meals away from anarchy because no food supplies would be able to get out. Sewage systems would break down. Water supplies would break down because we are so, our whole society is so dependent on, on that. But we can live, can't we, with a sense that everything's cool, everything's fine. You know that, but let me... Life is very vulnerable. Despite what it appears, life is very vulnerable. And, and we could find ourselves, they, 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 they said that cities, whole cities would become uninhabitable in a few days. So we need something beyond the, the physical infrastructures that surround us. Even in this day and age, in our, in our modern times, we need something more. These, these people came to a place where they realized just how highly dependent they were. And then this, this terrible moment, this terrible moment where at last, there in the distance, they, 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 they see water and, and there's a surge forward because, oh, oh, praise God. Oh, it's... We're there, we're there. And the first few people ran up and maybe just threw themselves on the ground and began to drink. And then hearts sank as those first few people stood up and... Because they discovered that the water was undrinkable. Their hopes were dashed. The presence of bitterness in the water ruined what should have been life-giving. I would also want to say that the presence of bitterness in your soul will also ruin what should be life-giving. Bitterness is the fruit of a wild vine called unforgiveness. It took root a long time ago and it wraps itself 
around whatever it comes into contact with to choke the life out of it. Bitterness blocks the way. It stops you moving forward. Bitterness, the bitter waters block their way. It stopped them moving forward. Now, now they weren't just thirsty. Hope had drained away. And I want to remind you that their faith was very fragile. It, you know, you, 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 we, we can get gassed about the miracles. We can get gassed about the breakthrough. But they, they'd, they were slaves. And, and I think we, if, you, as you, if you read on the story, their propensity to doubt God <laughs> was very close to the surface. It was, they, 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 they weren't quick to say, oh, you know what, the Lord's got this. They were more quick to start grumbling and complaining and, and, and blaming Moses and, and, and blaming God. That, that. But so, so these people were not in the best state of mind. Bitterness. Some would say that the bitterness of the waters of Mara reflected the bitterness of their own soul. Because whilst God had dealt with their external enemies, they had internal enemies. We'll look at that in a moment. But, so the people, they, right on cue, they began to grumble, they began to complain. And, uh, Bible says that Moses cried out to God, and, and this is, I, I, and again, I found this fascinating that, that, that here we have a nation, not just a couple of people, not, not just a handful of people. We've got a whole nation who are thirsty and crying out. Everyone's looking to Moses, and, and, and Moses, not unreasonably, <laughs> began to cry, to call on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord showed him. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. Didn't look like much. Sometimes God will make a big difference with something that doesn't look like much. He had, a, he had the sensitivity to, to listen to God. I don't know when I'm praying big prayers. I'm not necessarily looking for small things. When I'm praying big prayers, I'm believing for significant things because I've got, I've, got I've got a significant need now. I've got a nation who is thirsty. I've got people on the verge of death. I'm looking. But, but Moses had the sensitivity to when God said, just showed him a piece of wood. Just showed him a piece of wood. It's something that, if there's, it's something that you could easily walk by. Could it, be, could it be that God is showing you something? that you could easily walk by, but it's the answer to your situation. Could it be just a small thing? Could it, could it be just something that, that other people might ignore, but because you're sensitive to God, God shows you something, and, and, and something in, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. We talked about, we talked about, um, Moses' staff, but we, we talk about this, that this insignificant piece of wood doesn't seem like it's going to be enough to solve the problem. You know, it doesn't make sense to throw a piece of wood in the water and everything's going to be all right. But that's what happened. Moses 
threw it in the water. And the Bible says that the waters became fit to drink. In that moment, death was cancelled and life was released. Today on Good Friday, we remember another piece of wood. The cross of Calvary. The piece of wood that that Moses found dealt with an outward problem. But the cross deals with an inner problem. As I've said, perhaps our greatest enemies are not external, but internal. The cross deals with the enemies that are in my own soul. Moses' piece of wood changed a moment. But this piece of wood changed eternity. You know, at the end of the day, we've got to remember, even though the cross is the focus, it wasn't so much about the cross, but who was hanging on it. It's not so much about the what, but it is the who. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Left left to themselves, the Israelites would have died at the place of bitterness. But a piece of wood gave them freedom to move forward. The cross gives us freedom and enables us to move forward because the cross means I don't need to get stuck at the place of bitterness. This means I can let the bitterness go. This means that this is the place where I'm forgiven and I can forgive. I know that Maybe this word doesn't mean something to everybody, but I know there are people in this room to whom this means something. You know, I, I, I grew up in a family where, you know, where, where, where bitterness was kind of commonplace. I, I grew up in a family where, where there was always somebody not talking to somebody. There was always someone out of sorts with someone. And I can tell you that particularly on my mother's side of the family, I'm not talking about a couple of weeks or a couple of months. There were people, relatives there who did not speak to each other for years. Some died not having spoken to them. In fact, most of them will have now. But the cross deals with the bitterness of your soul. It sets you free. It gives you life. It gives you hope. It gives you freedom. And of course, for the Israelites, their physical thirst, the physical thirst was dealt with, but the cross deals with my spiritual thirst. 
John 7 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Deals with the spiritual thirst. He deals with that thing that's within us that says, Ah, there must be more to life than this. There must be more to life than this. I remember, I remember all too clearly 35 years ago asking those kind of questions. I can, I can remember, I can remember standing in Yates's Wine Lodge. I don't even know whether it's still there. Is Yates's the pub? No one dare say. No one dare say. Oh, we don't know, Pastor. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't go there. No, those kind of places. It's like, no, I don't think, I don't think that. No, and I was stood in the middle of Yates's Wine Lodge. It was a rough place then. I don't know what it's like now. It's still rough. If anyone was going to know, it was going to be Luke Maddox. And I remember stood in that place and I was out with a group and on the outside, I looked like I was having a good time. I looked like I was, I was in with the flow. We were out there to not just drink, but to get drunk. And we were in the midst. And I remember standing in the middle of that pub saying that, that there must be more to life than this. And it's there that I found Jesus. I found, not in, as I, as that season, I found Jesus. I, there was a question that God stirred in my heart made me aware of a thirst. And that thirst was satisfied by Jesus. Good Friday is a day in particular when we remember that it all comes down to a bit of wood. For Moses and the people of Israel, that day, it all came down to a bit of wood. But for us, more than 2,000 years ago, it all came down to a bit of wood. And the Jesus, the Jesus who hung on it to deal with the bitterness of our soul. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. The cross means that my life is healed. And as I sat um, praying and preparing uh, earlier in the week, the Lord took my mind just down a strange little cul-de-sac as I thought about being healed, healed and I thought about disease. He says there that he, by his wounds, I'm healed. And I thought about disease, dis-ease. God heals disease, but He heals dis-ease. Pathology, 
pathology, pathology is, is the science that, that, that studies the cause and effects of disease. Pathology and disease. Pathology and disease. It, I'm just playing on words, but it just made me think of the paths that we've walked. The paths that have brought us to here. Sometimes the well-worn paths that previous generations have walked. The paths that brought us to here. The paths that brought us to dis-ease. But even though there are many paths that have brought us to dis-ease, God will bring us to the crossroads. Whatever path led me here, the crossroads mean I'm brought to a place of decision. This is the place where I get to decide. Do I acknowledge what Jesus has done? Do I say yes? Jesus, you did this for me. You paid the price. So I do not have to carry my bitterness, my shame, my guilt, my sin. Whatever it is for you, as I stand at the crossroads, I get to make the decision that Jesus, what you did on that cross is enough for me. It is enough for me. No matter what I've done, no matter how bad it was, no matter how deep it went, the love of God is deeper still. And it reaches into the deepest part of your being, in the deepest part of your soul. And God brings me to the cross roads. He brings me to the cross, not to give me religion, not to give me something to do on a Sunday. He gives me because whatever the, path, whatever the pathology, whatever the dis-ease, God brings me to the crossroads because He wants to carve out another path. Beyond the cross, beyond the cross, as I leave my pain here, as I leave my shame here, as I leave my guilt here, as I leave my regrets here, beyond the cross, beyond the cross, there is hope. Beyond the cross, there is healing. Beyond the cross, there is freedom. Beyond the cross, there is another path. This is not about death and disease. This is about hope and life and freedom that we find in Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? This Good Friday, I want to take the opportunity as we bow our heads and close our eyes just to ask, is there anyone in the room today who knows that you there's something in this. Oh, you might not get it all. Maybe you've got questions, but there's something inside your heart that says, I don't get all this, but I like it. I like it. There's, there's something in me that says, I need this in my life. I don't get it all, but I need this in my life. If you're, if you're saying that today, then I completely get you. Because 35 years ago, I came to this point of making a decision and I found myself somewhat overwhelmed with cynicism and yet somewhat also overwhelmed with hope that just think if this 
is true. Well, I'm here to tell you, 35 years further on from that decision, it's true. It's true. Jesus is real. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is hope. Jesus is healing. Jesus is the one who sets you free. Jesus is the one who takes your bitter and makes it sweet. Just before I hand over, I want to give you opportunity today. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave today. As he brings you to the crossroads, please don't leave today without having made a decision. Because the other side of the cross is the hope, life, love and freedom that you've longed for. If you're here today and don't know Jesus or you're here today and you know you need to give your life back to him. In this moment of quietness and reflection, while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to ask you, if that's you, just simply right now, in this moment, slip up your hand nice and high so I can acknowledge it. Someone will put a card in your hand and you can put your hand straight down. That's you. Just slip up your hand right now. Thank you, Father. Father, this this Good Friday message, the whole concept of how we remember Good Friday is about a God who so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for it. This morning as we sit here, we remind ourselves of the joy and freedom that we have found in Jesus. How wonderful. How marvelous. But Lord, also it's important that we reflect and remember that there are so many who have not heard this message today. We pray for our city and we pray for our nation. Lord, how can we, how can we preach this gospel and not remember those who need to hear it, need to receive it, need to apply it to their lives? We pray for our city, oh God. We pray for our city. We, we pray, oh God, that, 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 that those who are lost, those consumed by bitterness, those consumed by hopelessness, those who are trying to satisfy their spiritual thirst with all kinds of things. We pray today that their path will lead them to the crossroads and a Jesus who can change their life forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.